Hey everyone, I wanted to welcome the magnificent Courtney Thomas on our podcast today, Sugar Pills, A Practical Guide to Self-Care. So Courtney is the founder of The Bodhi Effect, where she leads kundalini, meditation, and mindfulness workshops focused on freeing humans from stress, anxiety, and burnout, which we could all really use some tips on those right about now. She's also driven to unlock your human potential and to help you become fully aware of how you show up in your daily life. Courtney also offers workplace wellness workshops, online courses, classes, and retreats. She believes that it is her purpose to link the power behind well-being and performance, happiness and creativity, self-awareness, and a healthy and joyful life. So Courtney, you're in the right place. That is the sweet spot for our podcast, and I'm sure everyone listening cannot wait just to, to dive into all of your goodies and insights for today. So welcome, Courtney. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Do you want to give us a little bit of insights around um, the Bodhi effect and what people can expect from it? And, and really, what was your own, you know, personal reasons and, and passions for, for creating it? Yeah, absolutely. So I've been teaching yoga, meditation, and mindfulness for about the last nine years or so. Um, and to kind of give you some insight on my journey, um, back in 2016, um, well, cause I was teaching at studios and so on. Um, but then in, back in 2016, I suffered from my first miscarriage mm -hmm. and in that experience with all the, um, grief and suffering that comes from that, um, I really started to dive really deep into my Kundalini practice and that's where I felt so much transformation take place in my life, in my joy, in my happiness. Um, and from there, I actually ended up opening up my own yoga studio. And that's where um, my workshops and my courses and my classes really took off. Um, and then again, throughout that whole process, um, I suffered from another miscarriage. And then I ended up actually having my first boy um, about nine months after the studio opened. So there was lots of journey in that. Um, since then, the studio has closed um, and I just started to focus more on offering the Bodhi Effect workshops at um, workplace um, or, or offices and, and businesses because my experience um, through the studio and as well um, through my own um, experience as a business executive. I worked for a um, very um, well-known uh, worldwide cosmetic brand. Um, so in that process, I learned so much about the stress and anxieties and the burnout that happened in the workplace. Um, so I started to offer more workshops um, for people to help manage their stress and anxiety. And some of its Kundalini practices, some of its meditation, mindfulness work, um, self-inquiry practices. Um, there's quite a variety of different things that I can offer um, and it's taken off from there. But then of course, with what's gone on in the last year and um, that's also shifted. So now it's a bit more virtual, um, but it'll continue to evolve. <laughs> no, definitely. It's definitely a time for pivoting. And I, I definitely wanted to say first, I'm sorry for your two losses and also thank you. And I'm honored for, for you feeling safe enough to, to share your story with us. So thank you for that. 
And Absolutely. I, yeah. And I, and I know that, you know, so many women and, and men too, because they also suffer that same loss and grief will, will be thankful for you for being so transparent. So thank you. Oh, absolutely. I feel like miscarriages are very seldomly spoken about. um, And all of it, the process after your miscarriage, and then your pregnancy after your miscarriage. So I'm very open about that experience for me, because um, that dark place or that dark experience led me to this light that I that I feel now. Absolutely. Like just just listening to your story and what you're saying, what comes up for me is that, like, yes, you went through those, you know, unfortunate miscarriages, but exactly like you said, it, it created that, you know, like the womb itself is kind of like the dark place where like the baby comes together. So it's, it, it led to you birthing your own new beginning, like another yeah. form of baby. And I think, and, and another thing that struck me in what you were saying was that it took nine, like nine months after you opened the, the, the new studio or it took nine months, um, then you, then you ended up having your son. But like, to me, I think it's meaningful that it was like that nine month gestation period, which is also reflective of like, you carry a baby for around nine months. So to mm, me, I just I, had an aha moment with that. I never thought of it that way before. Yeah. That's definitely something that came up for me when you were talking, yeah. you know, like, you know, you, you lost one baby, but you birthed an, uh, another, and so that to me seemed like really beautiful. And for those of us um, listening who may not be familiar with, like, I, I think I'm, I know what it is, but do you want to explain a little bit more on what exactly Kundalini is, just so we can all know, you know, like what it is and what we can expect from it. And if we're not practicing it, you know, maybe some tips on, on how to get started. Yeah, absolutely. So um, Kundalini is a yoga practice. Um, it's a type of yoga, but it is absolutely the um, type of yoga that transformed my life. Um, It is a practice that uh, balances one, if not all of your eight chakras in your body. So you can think of chakras as like little energy systems that start from the base of your spine and they move up through the crown of your head. And you have eight of them that if one is off balance, um, they will, you will lean more into, uh, I wouldn't, I don't like to call them dark emotions, but um, they're more um, heavier emotions. So for example, your first chakra, um, your your first chakra resembles anger and acceptance. So if your chakra is out of balance, you find that you are more in a state of anger. But when you work through this Kundalini practice um, and you align yourself back, you'll lean more into a space of acceptance. Um and then, um, so, and, and I lean into more of, uh, your talents. So your shadows and your talents. Mm-hmm. So the Kundalini is, uh, there's a lot of movement. It's powerful movement. There's powerful breathing. Um, but it's like, you kind of get everything in one, you get your meditation down, you get your very powerful, powerful workout down. Um, and it really transforms your mind, your body and your soul. Um, I find that when I'm practicing, there are times where um, I'm working on a specific chakra that might be out of balance and things come up for me that I've been pushing down and it all rises to the surface. And it's not to scare you. It's just really a way for you to 
work through your stuff. Um, sometimes I find when people say like, sit in your pain and work through your pain and, and, and he, that way you will heal it. People are like, well, I don't even know what that means. Like, how would I even begin? And meditating in stillness can be really uncomfortable for people. Um, Kundalini is a really amazing tool to be able to, um, create a lot of movement, but also that meditation. So, um, does that kind of help explain it a bit? Oh, no. Yeah, that, that definitely helps because it seems it's more a holistic approach to creating self-awareness where you're moving your mind, body and spirit where, you know, sometimes with meditation, it's more just like the mind, sometimes with like yoga or Pilates, it's more focused on, you know, breathing and body. So it seems like Kundalini really encompasses both of those. So you're getting that total experience of, you know, I'm getting that awareness in my mind of, you know, maybe I'm angry about this and I really had no idea I was harboring those those past experiences and you're getting that awareness of those beliefs or blockages, you know, while exercising through your body and your, and your breathing and really getting connected to your, to yourself. So it seems like a, a holistic uh, practice in one rather than having to do, you know, multiple things to get, you know, the holistic experience. That's exactly it. Yeah. I feel yeah. like um, I, I've experienced the most enlightening moments through Kundalini. Um, and I find that it is the um, strongest practice for me that brings me back into alignment. Like it's quite funny whenever I'm feeling out of alignment and like in that more shadow experiences where I'm feeling more angry or um, feeling like my ego is really coming up. Um, although my husband probably wouldn't say it in those words, but he'll be like, maybe you should go and like practice some Kundalini. <laughs> and it's usually because my practice is really lacking that I'm like, okay, yeah, you're right. And it's a quick, it's a quick shift. Um, especially as you continue to practice, like there's times where like, I can just do um, an 11 minute meditation. That's a Kundalini practice that just like gets me back into that space of clarity, creativity, um, and, and just joy. I love that. I love that. And I, and I was like looking over your stuff and you also said that you had a practice of, of being able to feel happiness when life is difficult. Mm -hmm. So I think, um, you know, Kundalini seems to definitely be connected to that. Like, even if you're going through a difficult time, you can take that, that intentional time and space to reconnect to yourself. So do you have any other insights on, you know, how do you shift your mood? How do you shift how you feel even when external things might not be going well? Yeah. So again, um, when I'm practicing Kundalini, what that's done for me, um, throughout this entire practice of mindfulness, um, meditation Kundalini is it's raised my awareness, um, on the way that I, um, act, believe, think and speak. So one of the ways I um, have spoken about that has shifted me into feeling happiness when life is difficult is um, really watching the narrative and the story that I attach myself to um, at that specific moment or in that specific difficulty. So um, we can get really caught up in in the stories that we tell ourselves of what to be true. And I think through these practices that I'm talking about, you lean away from it, you, you detach yourself in the sense of where you just kind of are able to become much more present with 
what is true. Um, and so I really watch my, my verbiage um, as far as, as like using negative terms, using negative words, um, having awareness on like, well, if I shift around that story, how do I feel? Um, mm -hmm. So an example would be like, okay, well, this is just one example of like my miscarriages of what we speak, spoke about already. It's like victimizing myself that it happened to me versus that it happened for me has really transformed my system, my, my belief around it. Um, life doesn't always unfold the way that you want it to. Um, but if you can choose that experience as if you've, or look at that experience as if you've chosen it, um, you can surrender a lot more. And that shifts me into a lot more joy, happiness, softness, um, and gratitude for it. No, definitely. I love everything that you're saying. I think, you know, changing the narrative and really being mindful of your self-talk, I think is one of the singular, most powerful things you can do to, to shift your life because the person who talks to you the most in this world is yourself and, you know, thoughts become things. So what you think you believe and what you believe is what you then act upon and what you act upon becomes what manifests in your life. So really getting clear on the story you're telling yourself is, is super important. So I think that's a great insight. And then also when you talk about awareness, I definitely agree with that because you can't solve a problem if you're not aware that the problem exists. So if you're not aware that, you know, every time you do something wrong, you blame yourself, you call yourself stupid, or, you know, you speak neg negatively to yourself. I don't look this way. I don't have this. I don't have that. Or you compare, or again, like you're saying, you think everything in the world is happening to you rather than for you. If you're not aware of those thinking patterns and those self-limiting beliefs, then you can't consciously change them. So what I'm hearing is that you that you have a great practice where you're able to create the awareness, get some detachment on the story you're telling yourself so that you can consciously, intentionally create a new story for yourself. So then that way you're actually like co-creating your experience because you're saying, well, I'm the author of these thoughts and, and this story. So as the author, then, you know, I have the power to change it. So if I no longer want to feel like this, then I have the power to shift that. So I think it's a really great way to really take your power back and then meaningfully design your own life, which it seems like um, you, you've done and that's what you teach. I think that's really beautiful. Yeah. And you're yeah. summing it up beautifully for me. And I think as well is that um, what's really um, been profound when I'm in these workshops or leading these, these workshops or classes or courses is that how many people have never really stopped to be curious of their thoughts and their beliefs and their actions and their words, because we have been raised in this society to say that if you're not busy and exhausted and overworked, then you're not worthy. Um, and so it's been very fascinating to um, hear people who are just like, oh my gosh, like I had no idea that like, that's even a possibility to slow down. And then once that awareness, it's kind of like, I don't know if you've experienced this as well, but like, once you start to raise this awareness and do this work, you can never go back. Like, you're just like, wow, yeah. I, I didn't ever stop. And then 
you get this awareness and you're like, I can never unthink this now. <laughs> I can never unhear this or, or have this awareness. Like, yeah, it is it. Can I swear on this podcast or no? I don't know. Go ahead. Knock yourself okay. Out. <laughs> okay. So like, I will just give an example of um, the other day, my son, he um, woke up in the middle or early in the morning. And my husband, um, I asked him to go and get him and we both had had bad sleeps. And though I, I, labeled myself as having worse. And so I was like, can you go get him? And, and he started getting upset. And then I started getting upset again. And I ended up calling him a fucking asshole. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, well, you're a fucking asshole. Go and get. And I, I said it and that vibration, that low vibration created such a low experience in our conversation. And he, he took it like a champ. He just was like, I got to walk away from her. She's like, not okay. I was on like two hours of sleep, but I, what was crazy was that awareness now, like I cannot undo it where I laid my head back down thinking like my ego was like, I'm in the right. I had, I had every right to say that I had a terrible sleep. I was up with him all night. I was up with the baby all night. And I started to tell myself this strong narrative and story around it. But then it was like this, this powerful voice that was like, not out of court. Like that was not okay. You don't speak like that. Now, the way that you're feeling is you've created that experience now for yourself and, and so it was a lot easier to go and just own it and, and sit in that and then, and then do something about that. And I can't, like, so if that makes sense, like I can't get away from those thoughts anymore. I can't get away from that awareness anymore. Yeah. It's like, it's like you woke up the dragon, you know what I yeah. mean? You woke up the dragon you can, and you can't ever unsee the wizard. So it's like yeah. how that you have that awareness and you have that that new level of consciousness and being it's, it's so yummy and delicious, but it will also like check you. So I love, I love that story you told. And what came up for me when you were talking about that, especially with ego, what I, what I felt was, you know, I can like, my point of view can be valid without having to be right in order to make somebody else wrong. Cause Mm -hmm. you know, story you're telling yourself, you're like, well, I'm right. My husband's wrong, but you could say how I feel is valid. And that is enough. I don't have to make somebody else wrong in order to prove that I'm right, you know? And absolutely. So, and that's what really came up for me when you're talking about that story. And I think that's such a powerful perspective to have where you can, you know, you can stand in your power. You can stand in your position and be like, what I think, want, and feel is a hundred percent valid. However, I do not feel the need to make somebody feel less than or wrong in order to prove how valid I am. You know, and so that's what really came up for me. For and that. it just it feels so much good. better when you approach it that way, when you have yeah. the approach of that, when you approach it with more softness and less attachment and just exactly you're saying like, this is how I feel and my feelings are valid. This is, but, but you don't need to shame them and you don't need to, right. or whoever it might be that you're speaking of. And, and like I said, like when you want to finding happiness or feeling happiness when life is difficult, like that experience was, was very short and small, but that was a, I felt, um, a rise of anger come. I felt reaction come over. I felt, which is all just ways of experiencing fear, but that, so I felt like a difficult moment come up. How can I still feel happiness and joy and love in that moment when there is, it doesn't necessarily cancel out the difficulty. And this is a very, um, like minor experience, but just, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, yeah, yeah, that you can, you can still experience happiness and joy in difficult moments. And it's all just awareness of how 
you speak, how you act, how you feel. Um, yeah, it's oh, totally, yeah, quite no, fascinating. I totally agree. And like, again, with like, you know, finding your happiness and joy in the midst of like obstacles or difficulty, it's, it's again, having that awareness of this is a moment, you know, if, if it's like a small moment with like a fight with like my husband, or if it's like, you know, a bigger moment of whatever somebody has going on, you have that awareness of awareness of this is just a moment and like this too shall pass. And I have the tools that I need to get through this moment and I have the grace for this moment. You know, I think I, I forgot who said it, but someone said, you know, grace isn't the absence of the struggle. It's the, it's the presence of protection. And so that's kind of like how I think of it, where it's like, okay, I can be going through a struggle in my life, but I know that this struggle isn't going to define me or destroy me. And I, and I have the grace to meet this moment. And then uh, I also think about, you know, like, especially what you were talking about before, like now that you have this level of awareness and now you have this level of consciousness, you're not just going to be flying high all the time. Like you're still going to have those same patterns creep up and those same, you know, difficulties come up. And like the trick is meeting it this time with like that new level of awareness and compassion and grace and understanding and perspective. So it's not that you're slipping back. It's not that you're not doing well on your progress. It's not like, oh, I thought I was healed from this. Why is this happening again? It's like, well, life happens and like those things will come back up, but now you're in a different place to receive that moment with greater grace. And so I'm I so think- glad you brought that up because yeah. I think it's really what comes up a lot for my clients or people that are in my spaces that are saying that, you know, I've been doing this work and it's not sticking nothing. Like I still feel this way. This still comes up for me. And one of the um, ways I've found freedom in that is that to really understand that there is no arrival life, that like you is- said, evolves. And it's like, sometimes I have to actually say that out loud. It's like, there's no arrival. And again, I mean, my poor husband who I keep kind of talking about here, but he's, <laughs> he will say to me sometimes like, don't you teach mindfulness? And I'm like, yeah, I do. But I'm still a human being that can, that can have a reaction versus I know it's better for me to have a response and to lean back and to breathe before I speak. And and that the, all of the work, like it's, I, I know there's more success in using my tools, but that there are still times where things come up. And I mean, my God, I think everybody has had something, has had something come up, regardless of how much work and awakening you have done in your life mm-hmm. this year, this year, a lot has come up for people. And I mean, I think, I feel at least we're all going to look back on this year as an absolute gift. And that's, you know, it might be very triggering for some people to hear because they've lost a lot. Um, but at the same time, I think that, yeah, if you want all your stuff to rise, this has been the time. And that knowing and recognizing that it's okay if you've had a day where you're out of alignment, but you need to use your tools in order to get yourself back into that space of joy, of um, gratitude, of love, um, and that there's no arrival to just like, you're never was one day going to be like, all right, I'm it, I'm enlightened. I always am just like in a space of, of joy and light and love. It just doesn't really, that's not, that's just not realistic. It's not realistic at all. And I think, you know, like listening to you speak, what came up for me was it's, it's, 
it's exactly what you said. There's no there, there. And it's not about like, oh, I'm always joyful and, and enlightened and all that. No, that's actually not the goal. The goal is to be able to always know that you have access to joy and to peace and to happiness and to um, abundance. So it's not that you're always in that happy, happy, joyful, you know, enlightened space. It's that you don't forget that you always have access to it so that something bad can be going on, whether it's you're just in a funky mood or there's actually something wrong. It's remembering that you have access to it. And the people who experience, you know, like depression or anxiety or, um, you know, feelings of despair or hopelessness, it's, it's just that they've forgotten that they can, that they always have access to that. You know, it, they always have access to that, to that source, that, that lovingness. And you just have to remember that you can always tap back into it. So it's not that you're always just in it. Like that to me would kind of be a, a little bit of a red flag if somebody was always on cloud nine, uh, yes. another extreme. Um, but it's just remembering that you always have access to that. You can always come back home. You can always return to center. You always can come back to self. And, and it I circles think, back to that awareness that I, that exactly. we were mentioning at first. It's like, exactly. once you feel that awareness of it, you can say like, okay, for the last few days or few weeks or few months, I have been in a very anxious mm -hmm. state. Um, and so, but once you become aware of those things and really start to um, get curious of like, oh God, like that is a behavior of mine. And this is, this is how I've, this is how I've been treating my mind, my body, my heart. Um, and so it's like, what are you going to do about it? Um, and there are tools that you can go to, but um, it's hard. It's, it's hard for, I think, everybody to become aware of that um, and feel that they have that access. Like it's, it can feel really overwhelming, especially just with life. Like life can be really busy and really um, overwhelming. And if you're a person who is a codependent person that wants to try to please other people or please coworkers and bosses and family and friends and so on. It's like you do lose yourself and your own self-care, which can bring you out of those spaces. Like you're saying that depression, that anxiety, that fear. Um, absolutely. Yeah. No, absolutely. Like I, I am a, like a recovering codependent people pleaser. Like that was definitely the way I operated for a very long time. And it goes back to again, that feeling of having to be like, not almost non-human where you, where you're really just like numb to your own experience and you're numb to your own emotions because you're getting your sense of validation and worth and lovability from what you can do. So it, it goes back to what you talked about before where people feel like they have to perform, they have to provide, they have to, to give, give, give you know, you're, you're hustling for that worthiness and for that feeling of, well, I did all of this. Like, now am I worthy of love? I, I'm always saying yes, you know, now, now am I good enough for you? Mm. Rather than having that intrinsic value and worth where it's just as simple as I am here, therefore I am valuable. 
I am here, therefore I am worthy. I am here, therefore I'm, therefore I'm lovable. I am here, therefore I'm enough. It's really getting back into that intrinsic value and worthiness where you don't feel that you have to be constantly performing and doing. And it speaks to what you talked about earlier, where there's like this culture, especially in America, not to knock America, I'm American, I love America, but there is this idea that you have to be constantly busy and you have to be constantly doing, showing and performing in order to prove that you're valuable and worthy of, of anything, whether it's love, attention, affection, validation, money, success, friends, influence. And that really does a detriment to people because that's not the truth. Because if you believe that there is anything outside of yourself that can give you worthiness, then therefore you believe that there is something outside of yourself that can take it away. And that's why people stay in unhealthy relationships. That's why people are codependent. That's why people people please. That's why people work themselves to death at jobs they hate and are not fulfilling because they are so fearful that if they stop being yes people, if they stop you know, giving, 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 that they, then they will no longer be worthy of love. And that's basically the essence of it. So it's really returning to your intrinsic value and worthiness. I am here, therefore I am lovable and worthy, period. And once you get to that place, then you're able to say, well, this is what I want and I need. This is what my boundaries are. This is how I'm going to take care of myself. Oh, you know what? I'm in a funk. I'm being, you know, kind of sassy. You know what? I'm a human being. I forgive myself anyway. And, you know, I'm just going to go say sorry. You know, so these big things don't become crisis. They don't become, you don't, and exactly again, what, you're, what you said before, they don't become this internalized narrative about yourself in a negative way. And yeah, so, yeah. It's, and it's, I, I try to kind of remind people like you're a human being, not a human doing. So you need exactly. to just be, be here, be present. Um, and know that by, by sitting in your truth or sitting in your presence, you are worthy. Um, and it, it, people get so caught up in this rat race. And I, as you said, the narrative, it builds. And I think that there are really two really powerful reasons why your narrative can become super, super loud. And a buildup of energy is part of it. It's like you have, like when you can feel it in your body when you're super nervous or when you're super excited and you know, you don't know what to, that, that energy in your body becomes so, um, powerful that your mind starts to really narrate what it is that's going on in order for you to feel almost more in control and more safety. But if you just kind of let that go and just recognize that you're hearing your voice, you're hearing your narrative, you're hearing your story, but that's not really what's, what it is. That's not really true. That's not really, um, that's not your truth. It's, 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 it's the only thing that's true is the right now, right here and right now. Um, and I think it can become very, um, and we all have it, that voice in our head, we all have it. Um, but it's just, recognizing when it's real and what is true versus what you're creating in order to feel more, 
more safe or more um, better about a circumstance because the voice is there to make you feel better or worse about the situation. That's really all. <laughs> That's really what it's there for. Yeah. Um, yeah. And when you recognize that and you're like, oh yeah, like sometimes it, my voice in my head is jiving with me, but there are other times where like, oh my gosh, this like imposter syndrome that starts to come up for me and starts to tell me of my worth and like you just everything that you just said if you can catch it and you have that awareness and you're like, that's not real. What's real is just what's here right now, right in front of me. And I'm feeling a specific way. And so what am I going to go do about it? Well, I'm going to go and use my tools. I'm going to go and meditate. I'm going to go and practice a Kundalini. I'm going to go and tell somebody, write a message of love to somebody. I'm going to go journal. Like there's so many different things. I'm going to go out and be in nature and and um, I mean, we could go into a list of different tools. I mean, I think your podcast is an amazing um, uh, way of just being a kind of like, I, I like the idea, actually, I was looking at your podcast of like somebody just closing their eyes and like picking one and like trusting that that's the one that they need to hear that day. Um, yeah. But there's just different things that people can do in order to like find their tools and find their way or the resources, again, of bringing themselves back into grace, back into alignment, back into a place of love. Yeah. And I love before how you were saying, you know, a lot of people are never curious about their thoughts or their feelings or their beliefs. And just exactly that, like you could be feeling nervous or you could be feeling excited or you could be feeling angry or whatever. What if we approach those feelings with curiosity and you're just like, wow, I wonder what this feeling is trying to tell me. I wonder mm -hmm. what this feeling is trying to teach me or like, hmm, when was the first time I felt anger? Or like, hmm, I wonder what's beneath this. Yeah. Like, you know, so it's a detaching from like its big meaning and its big like scariness to just be, to approach it with a curiosity. Like, yeah, and I'd, I'd love your listeners to ask themselves even now, like how often in your day to day were you truly aware of the way that you feel? Mm. We, we don't stop. And um, it's very... It's very fascinating to just understand, like once you start to to explore it, how um, much how much peace and surrender is in it. When you're just like, oh, this is this is how I feel right now. It's not often that people stop. Uh -huh. And um, yeah, yeah, I think that there's just it's it's being aware that you're aware of your daily life. That's where I think that that's, that's the goal, right? It's just kind of, kind of being aware of, again, your actions, your feelings, your thoughts, your words um, throughout your daily life. And, and you can't, once you start, you can't get away from it. Like that example of when I kind of, when I spoke to my husband, it's like, ah, that didn't feel good. <laughs> that was a way of becoming truly aware of how I felt. I'm like, yeah, I said those things and that was terrible. And I didn't feel good in it. So I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to speak like that anymore. Um, and I can, I hope that the next time I can catch myself in that circumstance of like, okay, my blood pressure is starting to rise. Um, I'm starting to feel tension in my throat and in my chest. This is usually when I would call him an effing asshole. And so I'm going to walk <laughs> away. I'm going to breathe. I'm going to go and just like, I'm going to say like, I need five minutes. Like there's just different ways to react versus respond. And that's again, getting curious of like, well, how did that feel when I spoke like that? Or how did that feel when I, when I ate those things or did those things or watched that thing, listen to that? Like it, everything is a vibration. Um, 
I feel like I'm kind of speaking all over the map, but I hope I'm making sense. <laughs> no, 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 no. You're making perfect sense. And, and when you talked about all of those, you know, sensations, I don't know if you ever read um, Eckhart Tolle's A New Earth. Oh, absolutely. That's exactly what you're describing, the pain body. So when you feel that pain body rise up where it's like, you, you know, when you're, when you're getting a little pissed off and you can kind of feel it, like you get that tight chest, your head's getting, you know, and you're like, oh, like that's, that's the pain body being flared up. And usually that's when your ego is being threatened. And that's exactly what it is. And it's having that awareness of like, oh, like, I know what this is. Let me go chill. Let me go do what I need to do. Let me relax for a second. So what you're describing yeah. is exactly that. It's, it's, um, it's the pain body and it, and it feeds off of, off of creating that sort of like chaos and anger, like it feeds off of that. So and what just actually came up for yeah. me, what you just said was that um, what I just thought of was how um, kind of going back to like how there's no arrival. So that pain body, it doesn't ever really go away. Um, but you, as you get more curious about it, you start to notice your triggers. And again, like to be really gentle on our souls and on our, um, on our beliefs and our body of how like we have been raised all so differently and that there are certain triggers for me that come from because of certain things that happened to me either during childhood or teenage years that like that is why there's a trigger there and to become more curious about those things you're able to I don't want to use the word heal those um, because for some emotions they never really go away but you're able to just become again more aware of it where you're able to soften those things and to be able to find more um, release in that those spaces to become um, not the pain body again, you're just, you become aware of, you're like, ah, I know where this is coming from. I know that this is the belief system. I know my nervous system reacts this way when this person says those things makes me feel that way. Um, and then again, when you become more awareness, you can release it so much faster. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely release it faster. And this might sound a little woo woo, but we're in it. So one yeah. thing <laughs> nothing's woo woo to me. We're here. <laughs> We, we're here. We've arrived. No, but, um, but one thing I love to do, and, and I just thought about it when, when you were talking, is when I realize like those like old triggers come up, or if I'm getting really defensive, I speak to it. I'm like, okay, like I, like Candy, like I know you're getting really defensive, and I know like that's just like my warrior coming up. You know, thank you so much for for protecting me when I needed protection in the past, but I'm okay right now because all of those triggers and all of that defensiveness and all of that ego is there because at some point in your childhood or some point in a meaningful part in your life, you needed that in order to survive. You know, it might not be like actual like physical surviving, but you needed that in order to survive, whether you weren't getting like a, a mental, emotional, spiritual, physical, you know, need met. So you created those coping mechanisms and those coping styles in order to survive in that moment. And that's what you just got conditioned to do. So now, like if you're in adulthood and you're still using those defenses and you're still, you know, having those triggers, those triggers actually were installed to protect you. But now that that moment has passed, it's actually sabotaging you. Mm. So you have to remember like, okay, like just again, being gentle with yourself, you know, thank you for protecting me when I needed protection, but I'm okay now. So yes. now you have to be less triggered by those things that happen that, that isn't actually a threat. 
it just reminds you of the threat. It's like, oh, the last time I felt, because like, think about it, like nervousness and excitement kind of feel the same. So if you get this feeling of like excitement that you have to do something, but the last time you felt nervous, you got really embarrassed by something, you might stop doing things that excite you because it just feels the same. And you're fearful of feeling that embarrassment or whatever it was again. So those defenses and that ego and, and those triggers were always installed to protect you, but you have to know when is this protecting me versus when is this sabotaging me? And it's really getting that clarity and that awareness of what's going on within you. I've been nodding powerfully throughout this whole thing. I'm like, yes, yes, yes. (laughs) Yeah, because like even with, you know, I'll just speak from personal experience, even with my own codependency, you know, um, I became codependent as a way to survive. Nothing, nothing was like physically threatening at all, but that was just the way in which, you know, my childhood went or that's just what I had. You know, I grew up with a single mom and a lot of times, you know, children with single parents become very enmeshed with their parent. And so I became very codependent with my mother and it was nothing anyone tried to do. It wasn't any type of, you know, abuse or trauma, none of that. It was just the way in which our relationship was shaped from such an early age. I learned that I get my needs met by performing and by showing up and by saying yes. And so that's just what I believed. So until I was able to get the awareness of what were the beliefs systems that was ruling my life as an adult, was I able to shift those beliefs? So what served me in my childhood was sabotaging me in my adulthood. So now that I'm an adult, I can't negotiate for myself. I can't say no to people. I don't have clear boundaries. I people please, you know, like all of that stuff. And it's like, what is going on, girl? Until I realized that is what I learned to do in order to survive as a child. Oh, I'm so grateful for that share because that is a perfect example. And I don't think that people um, are aware enough of how the nervous system is built Mm. in your body. The nervous system is that fight, flight, or freeze. Um, And that when we're wired a specific way in our childhood, um, that it, it takes it takes work to unwire those things. But again, it kind of goes back like that curiosity that we're talking about. It's like, well, why am I bad at negotiating? Why am I such a people pleaser? Um, And as you start to explore those things and become really aware of um, how you were wired, how your nervous system was built, you can shift and change those things in order to, again, feel more free, to feel more um, in your own truth. and to kind of circle back to Kundalini, that Kundalini is a practice that does rewire your nervous system. It works your nervous system in a way where, yeah, your shit comes up, but you start, you just, you can't, you just can't unsee it. Um, and, and you, and you really start to find ways on when you have those deep challenges on like, how do you stay steady? How do you stay calm? What are the things that don't serve you, the fears, the worries, and how do you stay um, to like access your almost true strength that you have deep inside and your true truth? Um, At the very end of every practice, I always say the word Sat Nam, which means speak your truth, live your truth, and be exactly who it is that you want to be. But there are certain things in our lifetime that we 
escape from our truth in order to like, you were just giving the example of like codependency and how we're all raised so differently. And there's certain things that are going to happen to our life um, that we will have no control over uh, pretty much everything that we have in our life. We have no control over, Um, but right. But that if you can just bring yourself back into that awareness of, um, of, of, again, your truth of like who you are um, and bring yourself back into that space of joy and love, you will find that softness and that surrender inside. Um, But thank you for sharing that example, because I think that that will resonate a lot with people of kind of what we're talking about. No, definitely. And then just thinking about what you're saying, especially with like Connellini and like the nervous system and, and really thinking about that stuff. For me, I thought about and I love how you keep saying like, you know, be gentle with yourself and, and be soft because I think the first step to doing, you know, the work that you, that you teach and just like the work in general is letting go of shame and self-criticism and self-judgment, you know, letting go of thinking that any of your, you know, unhealthy coping mechanisms or anything that has happened to you or hasn't happened to you is your fault, you know, really just letting that go and getting into the space of, you know, I'm, I'm open to being present with my, with my true self. Because I think a lot of people don't do the work because they're stuck in thinking, if I admit I need help, if I admit I need to change, if I admit I need to do the work, then that means there's something wrong with me. Mm. And it comes back to like that life happens for you, not to you. So everything that got you to this space right now, like if you're listening to this podcast, you're listening to it for a reason. There is, there is the way that the universe is aligning you to be exposed to this kind of work because you're ready. And that everything that got you up to this place right now, um, if you can just believe that it happened for you, um, that you can work through those experiences you know, and, and again, like an access that, that love and that gratitude for it all. Yeah. And, and speaking of accessing it, especially during this time, I know that you have an amazing new course that is launching on December 27th through the 31st. It's a five-day course. Do you want to just, you know, walk us through what the course is, what's offered, and then also let us know how to sign up or get on the list. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm launching a, um, a course that's part of the Bodhi series and um, it's called The Shift. So it's going to be a virtual course that um, you'll do online. And um, it basically is kind of everything that we're saying. There's going to be Kundalini, breath work, meditation, um, self, self-reflection, um, journaling, and really truthfully, it's to awaken awaken you to what everything that we're talking about it's to shift from fear to love to shift from tension to softness to shift from your darkness to light and where i felt really inspired was just like what are you going to do with the last five days of 2020 it was a it was a tough year but for for everyone everyone had their own experience of struggle um but to find that freedom and if you don't know where to start this course is going to be part of your answer um, it's, it, it's work. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy. There's some powerful movements. There's some powerful stuff going on in it, but I promise you that you're going to feel it. You, you can do it and you're going to feel it. So, um, after that, um, at the end of the course, I also recommend a 40 day meditation 
that you can do from January 1st to February 9th. So um, it could be a really amazing way to also start off your 2021. Um, and again, just create that change. I love that. And I love that you have that, you know, supplemental meditation after. So you're not just like left hanging in this like emotional awakening. Oh, how often does that happen <laughs> when you do those? I know it's these courses. And um, I should add as well is that um, there'll be a private Instagram page where um, I'll be posting some things. People can ask me lots of questions in the comments and DM me. So again, when you're experiencing even that 40 day meditation and things will come up for you, there's a lot of intention behind the meditation that I choose um, mm -hmm. that you'll have full access to me as well. So the course is $75. Um, and so again, not too much, um, but there is also um, a discount price for um, the BIPOC community. So um, you can reach out to me for that as well. But I just, um, yeah, there's a lot of intention behind this series and be intention behind this course um, for people to really shift their thoughts and to shift their, their feeling back into a space of gratitude and joy um, and awareness. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So what came up for me when you said, especially the shift, it's really shifting from, you know, victim to victor. Cause I feel like a lot of times people can take 2020 and have this like victim mentality, but you know, with your work that you're doing in like this course and the meditations and even this conversation, it's really about being empowered and like, yeah. regardless of what's happening outside of ourselves, we are empowered to find that stillness and peace and joy within ourselves. And so for me, it's really that shift from, from victim to victor. So thank you so much for the work that you do. I know you're just helping so many people and everyone who listens to this podcast, I know is going to leave it feeling way more empowered and way more inspired to, to create that awareness and shift in their life. So thank you so much for being with me. Oh, I'm so grateful for you inviting me on the podcast. And I just like, I think that what you're offering to the world is magic. And so thank you for all the work that you do as well. Um, I sent you some links. So um, again, you can find the course on my website, which is just at thebodieeffect.com, um, as well as um, you can find it through the information on my Instagram page as well, which is also at the Bodhi Effect. Yes. And I will have everything linked in the show notes. So you guys can just go on the show notes and click it and sign up for her course. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Candy. 